When creating an exit strategy, business owners can't just account for the health of their books. They also must consider the health of their brand. Financials say a lot about an organization, but public awareness can mean the difference for a company that sells and a company that sits. I've known the talented PR team at HKA for many years, and I've seen firsthand how marketplace visibility equals marketplace value. If your brand needs a boost, contact the marketing communications experts at HKA by calling 714-426-0444 or visit them online at www.hkamarcom.com. Hi, this is Bill Black from the Exacoach Radio Show. Last year, a business owner friend of mine died suddenly and tragically, and his family was unprepared. In his honor, I'm giving away 1,000 of my ebooks entitled Business Continuity Five Steps to Protect Your Family Free. All you have to do is text the word family to 44222. That's family to 44222. Don't let your family be the victim of an unplanned business. Text family to 44222 for this free information today. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. My next guest is Barry Moniak, uh, and he is with End in Mind. He's an organizational therapist from Salt Lake City, and we're going to talk about how he helps leaders build interdependent teams and systems which could produce synergistic results far greater and more profitable than team members' individual efforts ever could. So we're going to talk about synergy, uh, getting more out of your business and your people and uh, Barry, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you started. I like the, the terminology or the name of your company, End in Mind. How did you get started with that? Well, everybody's going somewhere, and it seems like they get so caught up or inundated with what they're doing at the moment that they lose sight of where it was they thought or intended to go. And it seems like most successful people, most successful endeavors, they keep that end in mind so that then they have, uh, I call it like a GPS type thing, where if I know that I want to go from Salt Lake City to New York City, now the GPS lets me know if I'm on track or not. And if I've gone off track for a reason, okay, but it will get me back so that eventually I end up in New York and not Miami going, how the heck did I end up here? I like that analogy a lot. That makes a lot of sense. We've talked about um, this this before, is that people have great intentions and great plans when they start endeavors. But, yeah, can you imagine getting halfway to New York and then forgetting where you were going? <laughs> it wouldn't, it wouldn't right. happen. But a lot of people in the in – the, uh, you know, the day-to-day rush of everything, they forget why they started things in the first place. So is that is that what we're getting at here? Yeah, I mean, we get so consumed by all the things that I have to do today, right here, right now. Uh, you look at someone who's getting ready to do a backpacking trek, you know, out into the mountains for, for say, two or three weeks. They're not going to just start walking out there without having some preparation. 
to make sure do they have every single thing they need in that backpack to get them through the two or three weeks alive because you don't want to get out there and find out, oh, I forgot something essential to my survival. You look at a pilot. They're not going to jump in a plane like we jump in, most of us, we jump in our car, hit the ignition and go. You look at a pilot, no matter how anxious they are to get that plane in the air, they still go through their checklist to make sure, do I have everything that I need so that when I'm up at how many thousand feet, I don't realize, oh, darn it, (laughs) forgot something. Yeah. So we have the technology. We have the way of approaching it. It's just we only apply it if we think our life's in danger rather than, well, how could we run our businesses more effectively, our relationships more effectively? A little bit of foresight could probably gain us a lot of ground. And is that where burnout comes from, from a lot of people? They get they get uh, halfway through the flight, so to speak, and then they realize they don't remember why they started this in the first place anymore? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think there's a statistic that there's more heart attacks the uh, the first year after retirement than any other time, and I just found that bizarre that here people have been, been thinking about this, planning about this, just pining for this for, for decades. They finally, you know, they're retired, and they don't know who they are, what to do with, with their time, and they crash and burn. That's interesting. So so they you would think that they're done with the stress, you know, they're done with everything, the stress of running and operating a business, and instead there's more stress in not knowing what direction you're heading. Hmm. Instead of it being the ultimate day off, it becomes the worst day of their life. Wow. So part wow. of end in mind is exit strategy. Great, we're going to start this business. At what point is the business done? What are we going to do with it next? And and it's not that everybody has to prepare their business for sale, but wouldn't it be nice to use that filter to make sure, am I building this? Kind of like the people who flip homes. You want to take, you know, whatever home you bought and turn it into the nicest property on that street so that if people come looking for, for a house, they go, wow, what about that one? That one looks great. Well, have we done the same kind of thing with our business so that if I was going to put it on the market, people would go, wow, that's an amazing business. I want that one. Well, if it was that one, we would be the proud owner of a happy, functional, prosperous business. Isn't that what we were aiming for at the onset? Mm -hmm. And it seems like a, a lot of people think about the exit plan and they think about the beginning of the unwinding of their business instead of going all the way to the end. What does that last, everybody has a last day, you know, uh, in their business. Right. What does that last day look like? Uh, what has had to have happened for that last, to focus on that last day and work back from there? And I guess it would probably be true also, a lot of business owners set a goal. Once they achieve that goal, they don't set other goals. They don't, they don't, they don't say, renew okay, the next? goal. Yeah. I would say that if we were to go out and interview every business owner in America, probably the world, but let's just start with America, and say what would be you know, your dream come true, it would be for the business to be able to run itself without them having to be there so much or at all, and so they could be you know, sitting on a beach sipping cocktails or something and still the money's coming in. That's a worthy endeavor. The problem is they didn't 
go through the strategic planning, what would it take to make that reality happen? You would have to have that end plan. Well, do I have the right people in the right places? Have I, have I trained them? Do I have the systems in place to be able to monitor it from a distance? They just think, oh, well, I'm going to just go away for two, three weeks and come back and it should be fine. Well, what would make you think that everything is going to be fine if you were the one holding it all together? Good point. Good point. Now, and a lot of people, I would think, build a machine, but then they don't trust the machine. They don't let the machine work, the machine being their processes and systems and their people. Uh, And then they they don't either trust it or they, you know, it's kind of like you think about uh, a, a dad and a son and dad's taking the son out. Uh, to teach him how to drive, and son's behind the wheel, but dad's got one of those student driver wheels on the passenger side. How, and, and, and he never takes that, his hands off of his wheel. <laughs> he never takes his, or he, keep, he keeps grabbing the wheel back from the son. Uh, that right. happens a lot, a lot, because business owners are, and a lot of them are, uh, control freaks. They like that control. That That's how they've built it, um, and sometimes for good reason. But they're going to have to let go of that someday and trust that it'll work uh, or let it make its mistakes and, and you know, be, be standing by not too far away. Well, you, you brought up a good point that how many uh, business people, business leaders in particular, uh, are looked at as control freaks. I like control freaks. They're my people. The problem is, are they testing the systems? So it's not just letting go. If I've got control of the wheel, you know, I'm good. And now if I let go, it's going to go to hell in a handbasket. It's what are the processes of testing the system as I gradually let go to make sure that the system can stand on its own. Well, now I get to use my control mongering to work the, you know, the system. Now, when I can stand back at a distance and go, I designed that system, I built it, I tested it, and it's working, guess what? Now go hang out on your beach. Do you think that there is a, going back to that heart attack comment you made about the people, more people have heart attacks after they leave their business, do you think that there's a deep-rooted need to be needed by most of these people, and without that, they feel like they've lost their purpose in life, and that's what causes that stress? I I think that's got to be a at least a significant part of it. I I think from the, the, the reading and studying I've done, it has to do with identity, that what I do for a living defines who I am as a human being because we spend more time in the workplace than anywhere else. And now when that's taken away from me, I'm, I'm no longer that person that I've been for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Well, who am I now? Oh, the mm. guy who hangs out in TV, the guy who babysits the grandkids, it's like, what, what's happened to my, to my identity? So I think if people started earlier on identifying themselves as a human being that happens to own or run a business, that happens to be in a relationship, that happens to do any number of things, now they're constantly feeding that self-identity. Well, now if you tell me, oh, Barry, you don't need to put so much time and energy into this over here, great, I'm going to redirect my time and attention over to this other place because that still feeds my identity. That's a great point, and I think that's a big transition point for a lot of business owners. We talk about it a lot with them is that you you need to take the C tasks that any that everybody else can do probably better than you 
off of your to-do list, and the things you're going to add back on are going to be geared at growing the value of your business and creating new relationships and, and really being the visionary, the captain. We want you to go from firefighter to innovator, and that's a key right. transition point for a lot of business owners we're talking to today. Right. There's, what a, you, what there's you, a huge shift going on in the, uh, the, the world of business. It used to be more so that we went to work to make the money to support you know, our personal life. And everybody's pretty much in agreement that that's the way it works. The problem is we spend two, three times as much time at work as at home. So can we just be honest with ourselves? If our personal lives were really more important, we would spend more time at home. So why can't we use the time that we invest in business to become better quality people? Why don't we learn better people skills? How well do I understand myself and how I show up in any number of scenarios? How do I interact with other people? How do I lead them, manage them, relate to them? The the workplace provides this amazing opportunity for us to become better quality human beings. And then guess what? Now we get to bring that home and we can either come home and say, hey, here's my paycheck to support the family, or, yeah, here's the paycheck, but here's this new me that I'm developing and building, and we can use these same strategies and technologies here because it'll work even better. Now it's Mm -hmm. Monday morning and time to go to work. Oh, I have to go back to that job and do that thing. Or, hey, I'm going back there where I'm going to learn how to do things even better. Can't wait to report back to you later. See you tonight. Why can't we make it more inspirational rather than this this drudgery? Well, that's a good that's a really good point. And and why do you think that is? What are, what are some of your beliefs about business and enlightenment? Uh, I believe that that corporate structure, in a way, stole the heart and soul of humanity because it became more about the company than the person. And, and there's been this misnomer that if you, you know, went into the dictionary and what's the definition of business, it's an entity that provides a product or service with the intention of making a profit. And everybody goes, yep, that's what business is. Well, not quite. It's people producing products or services, selling them to other people. So when you take people out of the equation – that's where we, I think we've, we've lost our way. So what's starting to show up on the radar screen now is companies that put their staff and employees first, that put their, their clients and customers second, that let's, let's start developing the, the, the rapport between the people who are the business, and they're crushing it. The people who are still just doing it by the numbers, well, if we could make X million dollars more by screwing some people over, well, that's good business. No, it's not. Now, that's a big what part people of, need to, to wake up and realize. And a big part of that is is how you communicate uh, two-way communications with those employees, not just one-way communications of this is what you will do for us, right? It's 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 coming together as a group with a two-way communication strategy um, and confirming that that's where they want to go or, or helping them even the, the employees define where the company wants to go. Um, and, right. and then they'll, they're more empowered once they feel like they're part of the mission. 
Is that what we're getting at here? Right. Bill, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into an organization and I and I get the you know the twenty five cent tour of of the staff or employees by the owner CEO you know manager oh this is so and so and here's their idiosyncrasies and they kind of go down their list and it's like okay thank you for sharing now I would like to go interview these people and and I'll talk to them for twenty thirty minutes and and then go back and reintroduce these people to leadership. And they're looking at me like, how did you find that out? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I went and had a conversation with them. I talked mm. to them. I, who are you? What lights you up? What, you know, <laughs> what's important in your life? Mm. But uh, uh, people he, in mm-hmm. business never took the time to find that out. So then they tell me, uh, oh, classic example. There was a guy really smart business guy and had a CFO that if we were looking in the dictionary, this guy's picture would be there. He was the quintessential CFO. Well, there was some trouble in the ranks and the, uh, the COO started to create a mutiny on the bounty to try to get the owner out. Bad idea. So the owner decides, I'm going to make the CFO also the COO. Well, after months, he wasn't doing so well. And the guy goes, I thought I knew this guy and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, do you have any idea what you just did? The mindset of a CFO is almost 180 degrees away from the mindset of a COO. So what you've effectively done is tied this guy's hands behind his back. He doesn't know whether to turn left or right. Hmm. Well, well. I go, but you've got this guy over here who is your COO, but because you've got a personality conflict with him, you can't see that. But everybody in the company, when it's time to get something done or how are we going to go about doing something, they go talk to him whether he's got the title or not. He's already functioning as your operations manager, but you don't get it. So sometimes just because we're really smart in business doesn't mean we understand the people and, and, and we promote them or, 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 you know, hey, you did really good over here, Bill, so I'm going to put you in charge of this over here. Why? Because I need somebody that I like and trust, and I like you and I trust you. But have I also looked in to see, is this something that Bill would do good at? Is that within his skill set? If so, great. If not, I'm going to ruin you in the name of promoting you. This is really happens. simple stuff. People just took a minute to look at it. It, it happens all the time in business. That's that's the the problem with that. How do we create uh, that this synergy in the workplace? Well, it's an interesting dynamic that you know synergy. The the one of the basic laws of physics is where the sum is greater than the sum of the parts. Well, when you go into most executive teams and you look at them energetically. Let's take the personalities out of it. How much do they produce? How effective are they? So we've got six, eight, ten people, and if we were to add up the production, well, there's the total sum of what this executive team is capable of doing. Well, now we can go into a different organization, and you look at someone like a, a basketball team. There's teams where every player on that team is exceptional. They're the best in the world but they don't function as a team so well. Then you look at a team that maybe isn't quite as exceptional. They're good, but they're not the greatest, but they know how to work together as a team. Let's put that team 
the more mediocre team that that has a great you know uh, team consciousness against the, these five superstars, who do you think is going to win more games? The team, the the team that acts like a team. Exactly. So when people work together in certain ways, they can produce a result greater than their individual contributions. And there's certain companies, you know, the, the, uh, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Zappos, the Virgins, that they're experiencing that. And it's interesting because they're not adhering to a lot of the, uh, the rules, you know, of successful business, the way they look, the way they dress, the way their offices look, and yet they're crushing it in business because they figured out, hey, if we can come together and work in a certain way, we can produce extraordinary results. So it's the science of building the teams that creates the, the synergy, the, the, uh, the sum is more than, than the value of the individual parts. And it's, it's creating that way of, of managing to, to where you can see this will create a successful team that will pr- produce the results we're looking for and learning from those experiences. Right. right. Sometimes, like we see in sports, you know, every field of sports, it, it happens every season where certain players are traded off and other players are brought on. The players being traded off are not bad at the game or the sport. It just wasn't creating the right team dynamic. So they go to another team and all of a sudden they thrive. And they bring some guy in from another team and now this team is, is ready to rock and roll. So sometimes in an organization you have the wrong people on the team or the wrong people you know, uh, in certain departments. But before I start looking at who needs to go, I look at how well do you people really know one another, and this comes down to this, this odd phenomena of, of the human experience called confirmation bias where we will allow information in that supports our current ideas, beliefs, philosophies, and we tend to disregard information that's counter. So now I'm supposed to work with someone, and the way this confirmation bias shows up would be in terms of gender bias, generational, racial, ethnic, nationality, uh, religious sexual orientation, I've got all these filters of how I perceive people in any of those categories, and rather than really observing who you are and why you are that way, I start filling in my own information because I've got a chip on my shoulder that I can read people pretty well. Mm. So I don't need to hear it from you. I'll tell you who you are. Well, that's not going to create an interdependent relationship. Mm -hmm. I need to find out more. Who is Bill? And why is Bill that way? Well, if there's something about Bill that doesn't agree or align with part of my philosophy, that's where we get into, you know, uh, what, what I think holds us back is the more I appreciate you and come to understand you and actually develop a, a liking for you, that could challenge some of my internal beliefs. Because so of any of the confirmation bias filters. I'm sorry, we have a little delay. I keep jumping in on you, Barry. Uh, so what I hear you saying is that we have we have behaviors to unlearn before we can learn and move forward and really be uh, act as a synergistic team. We have to we have to examine where we are and make sure there are there are are not behaviors that have to be unlearned before we move ahead. Does that make sense? 
that's that's a piece of it. Sometimes the unlearning is really just adding more information. Mm-hmm. You know, I can assume whatever I want about someone. Oh, it's a woman. Oh, they're younger. I'm entitled to those those ideas or opinions. I'm also entitled to find out from them that just because it's a woman, does that mean she's not as qualified to do this job as I think a man would be? That a younger person could have just as much talent or expertise or great ideas as an older person. So it's adding that additional information into the mix. You know, uh, historically, younger people look at things more more wide-eyed. They, they like to explore options and opportunities, and, and, and so they, they haven't developed uh, what those of us who are older have, where, where we're a little bit more rigid about how we see the world. Well, if older people would open up to the mindset of younger people just to appreciate the perspective, and if younger people would open up to the perspective of older people, if in fact they've actually been paying attention along the way and have learned something, so we've accumulated a little bit of wisdom, wow, older people and younger people can work together famously. They have what each other needs. Men and women approach things differently. If they could learn to appreciate the differences rather than battling over them, it just it makes no sense. Barry, it's, it's fascinating information. It's been uh, great to spend some time with you and tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you best. And uh, you're a Vistage speaker, I know that, so you'd speak to a lot of business owner groups. But tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and find out more about what you do. Easiest way is through the website, endinmind.com, E-N-D-I-N-M-I-N-D.com. Uh, or they're welcome to uh, give me a call at 801-474-3500 and would love to chat with them. Yeah, you've given us some great information, great analogies along the way. I really like the examples uh, thanks for joining us, and I'd love to have you back on the show at some time to delve deeper into some of these topics because we just scratched the surface here today, but uh, I think there's a lot of great information for our listeners. So thank you very much for joining us. Bill, it's been my pleasure and would love to join you again. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay tuned. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 